This is episode 120 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Cheryl L. Erickson. Cheryl is an author and blogger who has been involved in multiple areas of the horse industry for over 25 years. A student of equine behavior and communication, she has experience as a horse midwife, equine-assisted therapy facilitator, veterinary assistant, and horse trainer. Cheryl is the author of the award-winning memoir, Follow Me Friend, a true story about her struggle with undiagnosed PTSD and the healing power received through the special connection she shares with her mare, Farletta. Cheryl's other creative endeavors include the blog, Peace Horse Journey, which explores her concept of horse-guided self-discovery and how equine behavior can be influenced by what the human brings to the relationship. She also writes the Sputter Moo Briars blog, which dives into the stories and history of the model horses in her collection and the real horses they represent. Cheryl currently spends half the year working as a horse midwife, delivering foals and caring for mares and their newborns for various thoroughbred farms in central Kentucky. In the off-season, she focuses on her writing, book events, and speaking engagements. Settle up for a moving conversation about living with post-traumatic stress disorder and healing through the power of the horse-human relationship. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm so happy to have Cheryl Erickson on the show with us. Hi, Cheryl. Welcome. Hi, Carly. Thank you for having me. Of course. So my first question always for people who listen to the show, and if you're new, welcome, is Cheryl, how have horses touched your life? I guess, how haven't they touched my life? You know, every aspect of my life has been touched by horses. They are something, when I was very young, I connected with horses in a way that just uh, made me feel very comfortable to be around them. Their world made a lot more sense to me than the people world. And so I, and I still do this as an adult, but I didn't realize it as a kid that I kind of filter my experiences through my knowledge of horses. And it just is a very comfortable thing for me. And that connection with horses has allowed me to explore some pretty intense memories and feelings in my life. And there's been so much growth in my life because of horses and they're just uh, fantastic teachers and friends, of course. So they're just, uh, like I said, every aspect of my life, it's, it's always been touched by horses. Mm -hmm. So were you born like with it? Like so many of us were like obsessed with it from the beginning. Uh, You know, what was that first moment that like really blew it wide open for you? You know, I think it's, I can't say if I was born with it because I didn't have exposure to horses at all until I was around uh, third grade. And our family went to a trip to Florida and we went to Bush Gardens 
and there was a ginormous, huge Clydesdale statue there at the entrance. And I was just enamored with that <laughs> statue. I wanted to sit with it. And I wanted my mom to take a picture of me with it, which I think she decided to, but she couldn't understand why when we had all this great, you know, amusement park to see why I wanted to sit with this statue. It wasn't even a real horse. And that was the first time. And again, I couldn't understand or explain that, but I remember that so distinctly all these years later, just that feeling of safety and connection. Mm. And that would be the start. And uh, it wasn't until later I got into 4-H and riding lessons. And that was probably about I was around 11 then. So it was a few years and then didn't realize you could be in 4-H and be in the city. But I was able to lease a horse, um, do a free lease on a horse. And that's kind of where it all started as far as getting into the being able to handle horses regularly and and learn about them. So that is so great. I was also in 4-H as a young person and it's a it's a wonderful organization. And and that was a lot of my learning in the horse world also and how lovely to be able to lease a horse and have that experience within such a great organization as well. Yeah, it's really, it was a blessing. Let's talk about your book. Tell us a little bit about your book and, and how you went, went about sharing this for, for others. Sure, sure. Uh, the book is called Follow Me Friend, and I'm going to hold it up here a second. There it is. And it's a memoir about my experiences living with the undiagnosed PTSD. And then the next part of that is how my horse helped me to look into myself more, more of that introspection, and helped lead me on that path that has helped me heal from that and to the point that I was more able to function (laughs) in the world and understand you know, what was going on with me. But uh, so the story is really in, in two parts and it's for two, it appeals to two different groups. It appeals to horse people because it is a horse story and it appeals to people who are working with or living with PTSD because there's a lot of in-depth description of the kinds of things that someone might be experiencing who's going through a trauma or who's dealt with a trauma. And in my case, because I didn't have a conscious memory, your body remembers, you know, it, it doesn't forget, even though you can't remember it, you know, the brain tries to protect you from remembering that's because as a child, you know, seven years old, I couldn't process what was happening to me. And so it's still in there. So all of the reactions that I would have to people and situations, and even that jumping from job to job, trying to figure out what was going to make me feel complete all of that was can go back to that that initial trauma and the way that I learned to cope, you know, those coping mechanisms, which get you through the situation, but really aren't necessarily good functioning behaviors. And what was really interesting, I think, in my story is I had this wonderful horse that was extremely sensitive, and she could not or would not tolerate the energy that I brought sometimes that, that inconsistent energy, that hiding energy, like I'm trying to hide from the world. I'm afraid that I'm crazy because of all the things that I think and experience. And I'm trying to hide that. And I'm bringing that to her. And she's just saying, no, we, we aren't going to do this. And she just 
through her behaviors made me look at myself, like look at myself and be honest with myself of what I was experiencing. And that is what brought me on the path, which is why the book is Follow Me Friend, because that was, that was her. She just, well, that's how she got her name. Uh, follow me friends, follow me friend. I'm going to help you through this. So that's her, um, that was, that's her registered name. And of course her barn name is Farletta, mm-hmm. which I love, but. <laughs> it's beautiful. So I, I love that her registered name is follow me friend. That is, that is incredible. And then it became the title of the book and what a beautiful gift to have that relationship. And what a beautiful thing that you could recognize that she, she would, she recognized you, but you saw that, that she was there to, to help. And, and she was checking your energy, which, which they always do, which is really cool. What, can you share a little story or an example of something that she would do where she was like, no, we're not doing that mom. I do. And it's probably the big turning point actually in the story Mm -hmm. is I had gotten to a point, you know, we were, I'm going through all this with recovering the memories. I'm in school. I'm, you know, everything's really intense. And I would come out to the barn to see her and she would, you know, she'd be in her stall and she'd put her head over the door and she'd look at me and she'd be bright and happy to see me. And I'd put her halter on and she was good with that. And I'd get her out to, to actually handle her. And she would just she would just dance and she constantly she wouldn't stop moving and just you know I think oh she's got a lot of energy so I'll take her out to the arena and see if she wants to free lunge and run around and then she would act like she was walking through wet cement like she could hardly move and I just couldn't figure it out because I I knew this horse and I know that behavior is communication Mm -hmm. and I know that she's not a bad horse you know they 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 always are trying to communicate something with us and I couldn't figure out why she was behaving this way around me and didn't seem to want to be handled, but she didn't necessarily not want to see me. She just didn't want to be with me in that way. And so that, of course, I internalized, um, took it personally, because that's a very common, you know, from trauma, everything is your fault. And mm-hmm. so I decided I needed to find someone to talk to. And I found a counselor that worked, or I should say respected uh, my connection with the horse. That was important to me as I needed to talk about my horse in the role that she was in, which was a very important role and not just a pet, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was seeking that help that helped me understand and helped me start recovering those memories. They started coming up. And so what I ended up doing is I took that back to Farletta and I literally told her, I said, Farletta, this is what's happening. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm feeling. This is what happened to me. And this is why this is happening, what we're feeling. And it was like a switch flip. And she just calm again back to her old self that's incredible yeah like nothing she's like she was waiting for that and so it became a way to check myself when her behavior would change I would look at myself what am I bringing to this right now what what am I hiding what am I trying to suppress and I would tell her you know uh, it would be you know today I'm really struggling with the memories I'm really 
I don't know if I can do this. This is too much. You know, it's, it's not, you know, we're safe here, but I don't always feel safe here. And I would tell her that and she would go back to calm. And it's just a physically, you know, speaking out loud, whether or not she could understand the words or if it was just the energy, doesn't matter to me <laughs> what it was. It just uh, became going forward. And this was like 10 years ago. So going forward, this is something that I've continued to do with her is uh, when she does something that I doesn't fit with her normal personality, her normal behavior, I always look at myself mm. and see, and I usually find something there that needs work. So, yeah. wow, yeah. that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. And they they are so incredibly intuitive. Uh, and, and, and it's when we recognize that, like there's such a, a shift in relationship that can happen. And, and it's incredible. This is a very powerful story. I, like, was it difficult to, to put this into the world or, or were you, you were writing to express yourself because that, that's how you were able to work through this. Was it difficult to put a memoir with such a heavy topic out there? Or was the message that you wanted to deliver more powerful both for yourself, but then for others? Uh, how, how did you feel when you put this into the world? always had that that feeling that it had to get out there I needed because I couldn't carry it anymore mm -hmm. so there was that always driving me forward you know that was a secret that I held for I don't know 25 years and that responsibility of holding that secret that was not mine that that go that's on the abuser that's his thing not mine and that was an important thing to realize but as far as like my writing process I, uh, in order to write effectively in the way that I like to write, I had to actually put myself back into those memories oh, wow. so that I could feel them and then I could write about them. And that's a pretty intense thing. And I don't know if other people do that, but that was the only way I could do it is I have to actually feel it again. And, and a lot of people have commented on feeling you know the feeling they get from the story so I guess that's why but so that was difficult and that could be exhausting and that could be you know I was trying not to re-traumatize myself but you know uh it's it's um an intense way to go through that so there were times where I had to just stop for a few months or put it to bed and a lot of that you know this was my first book so there was a lot of kind of skating over it that I tried to do you know just not really get in and describe it I'm and I realized that wasn't effective. And so I just, it was almost just like peeling back those layers of the onion, right? I have to keep digging down until I could figure out how to do it. Now I understand how to do it. And it's not hard for me anymore to, to go back into the memories and write about it. And the, what's interesting about something like that is the more that you get into it and the more that you are able to tell your story in whichever way that you do it, the easier it becomes and the less power it holds over you. Mm. And that was important realization. The more I put down on paper and the more I uh, worked on that, the, the less and less power that that man had over me anymore. And now he's, you know, he's nothing. Whereas before he was this overpowering monster. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. That, that's really powerful and so brave. I mean, it's so brave for, for you to, to go in there and feel those emotions. But I really love that you said by being brave and, and re like re 
experiencing it for yourself through writing, it lost its power over you. I think that is really an incredible message. Good on you for, for putting this book out in the world and taking it on and going through that. That's really an amazing accomplishment. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> How are you reaching your your readers around on, around this work? Because this, this sounds like a very important story for anyone dealing with trauma. How are you communicating about this to others or reaching the audience that, I mean, obviously horse people will like this, but, but it's a, it's a, it's a big topic. Um, so, you know, how do you get the word out about this to people? It, I, I use a lot of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm mostly, I'm on Facebook, you know, I'm, I'm, I've tried TikTok. I, uh, TikTok, Twitter, <laughs> uh, not a big fan of Twitter, might try Instagram, you know, I need to broaden a little bit, but I do, um, I've got a few Facebook pages that I run and that helps. I, um, have a blog that I write, which helps a little bit, uh, but a lot of it is, I probably sell 50% of my books by going places mm-hmm. and meeting people. Mm-hmm. So everything, I just try to think of all of the things that I can do um, to reach people. I'm most comfortable, of course, in the horse space. That's been my whole life. So I will go to tax sales, you know, get a table at a tax sale and meet people and do books, uh, sign books. I've done, uh, the equine affair mm-hmm. i hope to do that again uh, this year i've done a couple other horse events like that and then i've also reached out to my uh, alma maters i went to a horse school and got my equine studies degree um, at a school in illinois i went back there this last year and did a book signing and reading which went really well and then I also reached out to uh, Western Michigan University, where I did my um, social work program and did a uh, taught a course actually about uh, cool. trauma and um, working with horses and equine assisted therapy and uh, then did a book signing after that. So that was just I try to be creative and think of all the things I can. I'm into model horses, you know, briar horses, and I live in Kentucky. So I go to Briar Fest. I actually sold a ton of books at Briar Fest last year. <laughs> Just uh, people, they get excited. You know, it's a horse and, and meeting the author apparently is, is a exciting thing. It's funny to watch people like they'll look at the book and they're like, Oh, a book. And I'm like, yes, I just wrote that. And they're like, you did. So <laughs> if you're an author and you're out there, get out there with your book. People like the face you know, Mm -hmm. with the book. And that's exciting. I, for people to meet the author, I think, and have that connection. And I sell a lot of books that way. So I'm always trying to think of new ideas. I'd like to do some, reach out more to the mental health community, Mm -hmm. Uh, not as connected there as I used to be, because it's been a while, you know, since I graduated, and I didn't go into practice. Uh, I also work at reaching out to the equine assisted uh, therapy community. Um, I've done a lot that way. So it's just kind of, you know, it's like a constant thing, everything I can think of, get an idea, get out there, what haven't I tried and keep reaching. And because I believe this book is, is gonna help people, I want it to help people. I also like to um, put them out into the universe which means I take them and I, I'll leave them places sometimes. I've left them at the airport or at a coffee shop or, uh, you know, just some random place where I feel like maybe somebody will find it who needs it. And, yeah, so I love doing that and just finding different ways to help people 
get that book into their hands, believing that it will find the person that needs it. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. I love the the little gifting and leaving it in places. And I do believe that the people that will need it, that will pick it up, it was it's meant to be. That is wonderful. So with marketing, it's so interesting, right? And it's like, I think you have to like what you choose to do in order to get your book out in the world. Like, you know, mm-hmm. social media is fine. It's an avenue, but it's not the only way to do this. And I love that you're talking about going to events and meeting people and talking and how cool teaching a course. Like I see, I see a lot of value in you in you speaking about the book and about your experience. So in Briarfest is an amazing place to, to go. And that's just all very magical. And, and it seems like the one-on-one relatedness is like a really special place for you. So there's no magic way to do it. Talk, talk to us a little bit about your path to publishing. Uh, how, how, how did, what route did you choose to go with this book? I went with self-publishing mm-hmm. and I did initially try to do the traditional route. I did uh, probably, I really only tried three or four different places that I sent it to. And because it's such an intensely personal story, even the really, really kind and gentle rejections just Mm. really tore me up. It was, I really struggled with it and actually would get me, I would stop doing anything with the book for months. It just became, um, it was really difficult to go through. And then I finally got somebody who said they were interested and it ended up being like a bait and switch kind of a thing. And they really were a hybrid press and they asked me for like five thousand dollars and I was just like no Mm. this was just anyway that whole thing made me really mad and when I get mad then I get really productive (laughs) and I said you know there's no reason I can't just do this myself and I you know I know self-published sometimes gets kind of a bad rap because there is a lot of stuff out there that that didn't get edited and isn't really well written and couldn't get a traditional contract or whatever you know I don't want to be disparaging like that. But um, if you are going to go that route, my recommendation is to put the money into getting it professionally edited, get a professional cover design and a professional formatter. I used Mm -hmm. all three and get a really polished book out there. And that's what I ended up doing. And I'm very glad I did it. And honestly, with the traditional route, you're going to do the marketing and all of that anyway. Mm -hmm. So you may as well keep more of the royalties. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether or not I'll try in future books for traditional, I might. I haven't decided. My second book will be self-published. I just can't stress enough how important it is if you do that to get the everything done professionally. Mm -hmm. It's just so important people look at a book and they're like the you look at the cover it looks amateurish they're not even going to pick it up it doesn't matter if it's the greatest story in the world they're not going to pick it up Mm -hmm. and you know some people get in you might really like your story but if it's not well edited then again they're just going to not read it yeah and I I I love what you're saying there that is 100% correct like I think you know definitely invest in the book put out the very best product you can work with a professional editor cover designer formatter do do all the right things all the things that you that anyone putting a book going anywhere out in the world should do but I think there's a there's a large group of us who are having an impact on the view of self-publishing, or I like to think of us as indie authors, right? We, we do value the quality of the book. And a lot of us in the, the horse book area do independently publish. 
because we get the we get the conversations all the time that it's too niche. Horses are too niche. It's too niche of a topic, right? But I'd love to talk with you about your cover. I think your cover is gorgeous. Would you hold that up again for us and talk a little talk to us a little bit about the cover design? Sure. This is the cover again, and that's uh, my horse on the cover. And actually, there's a great story uh, that goes with this. When I was a kid and I was dealing with all those intense feelings and not knowing what was going on and all of that, I escaped, like a lot of us do, into my horse books. And I love the Black Stallion series. I just (laughs) obsessed over those books. And the cover pictures, uh, the books that would have been in the probably late 80s, the Random House um, release of the Black Stallion books had the art done by Ruth Sanderson, who is a fantastic artist. And I loved those. I'd like lived in those pictures. I used to just stare at them Mm -hmm. and imagine, you know, what's, what's behind here, what's over the hill, what's, what's, you know, what is in this picture. And when I was looking for a cover designer, I thought about Ruth Sanderson and I thought, you know, I had no idea how old she was when she did those book covers. I didn't know if she was still painting, you know, I didn't know anything. And my best friend who has encouraged me in so many ways said, well, why don't you just contact her and see? And so I contacted her and I told her about my story and I asked if she could do the cover and she said, yes. And so we made a deal, you know, signed a contract and she actually painted this picture, which is like, the little Cheryl in me is so in love with this cover. So uh, that's the story. And I have this painting in my house now, which I love. And so that was so important to this uh, story. (laughs) Fantastic and gorgeous. And I'm so glad I asked that a lovely story that you, that you were able to work with her and you have the painting in your home. I mean, I love it. I look at it every day. Yes. I was, I was so excited when she said she could do it, but also that she could include in our package to send me the painting. And I thought that's, yeah. So that I've got, and that's, like I said, the little girl in me is just like, Ah, so so that excited. Cool. And to back up just a little about the self-publishing, I also want to say it gives you a lot of control. Yes. And I had had editors early on that I spoke to that didn't want that wanted me to change the name of the book, and it had to it had to have that name. It just had to. And when you read it, you'll know why. You know, and of course it's her name, but it had to. And I had to have that painting. It had to. Mm-hmm. It just I don't care not changing it. So mm-hmm. that was important because had I had a traditional contract, they could have overridden me on those things and done something completely different. And wouldn't that have been a real shame and Abs- a disappointment? Absolutely. So. Yeah. The, the control and, and being able to create the product as you see it and, and control the cover design and what you title it and, and the things that are important to you, you do, you're, there's so much more power and ownership when you, when you do it yourself, there's like such magic and all these magical things happen when you decide to share your story and, and being bold in the connections you create. And then, the, you know, I'll wound up in this incredible cover for you. So that's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks. And then I, I always like to ask these questions because it's a little bit different from everyone. And I feel like there's like a learning opportunity in the responses. So, so for you, Cheryl, what is the very best thing about being an author, but then on the flip side of that, what has been the most challenging thing for you? The best thing I think is having that 
finished product, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's like a culmination of hours and hours and years that took me like eight years to make that happen, that book happen. And just having that sense of accomplishment for that and knowing that my story is out there in a way that I, that I want to tell it. The most challenging is putting yourself out there and trying you know, that marketing is constantly trying to sell yourself. And that is for someone who spent, you know, my entire life trying to be invisible. That's really hard. I'm getting better at it. I'm getting used to it. You know, I'm here, I'm doing podcasts, you know, I'm, yeah, it's just calling attention to yourself constantly. It just feels kind of, you know, and (laughs) so that would be my struggle. Definitely. Yeah. And, and what's, what's interesting also through, through the challenges, there's power. It's interesting to me that, that people are, can be harsh with creatives because Mm. being a creative is a labor of love and it's very personal. And, you know, it's, I think sometimes people don't understand how much of yourself goes into the creation of something. I, I, I beg of people to tread gently on creatives and good on you for being on the podcast and and making it work. It's like it gets, but it's, it's just like the writing or, or you sitting with your memories. It gets easier as you gain power over the things that are challenging, right? Definitely gets easier and every day. And so it's a totally different person. It feels like almost that, or at least I can access a different person, put it that way. Yeah. It's (laughs) access the on Cheryl. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. The on Cheryl. I like that. Yeah. There is. And that's so funny too, about writers. Most of us would rather, you know, kind of be a little bit more invisible or we're introverts because we're creatively thinking. And then you have to create this other portion of yourself or try and activate it in order to fulfill the things that are, that it requires to get the word out about your book in the world. So it's, it's sort of like, uh, like a teeter totter trying to get balanced. Yeah. 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 So uh, what advice would you give to someone who is, who is having an experience with trauma or, or has PTSD, but wants to achieve a dream, like writing a book, uh, riding a horse for the first time, going after, you know, this big thing they want to accomplish, or even just, mastering the, the past, what, what advice would you give to someone in that situation? The first thing I want to say is uh, to be gentle with yourself mm-hmm. and accept that, you know, this isn't, you know, something that you necessarily have control over. This is, you know, PTSD, it's a reaction that happens in your brain that's like a pre-programmed from your trauma, right? So, it's like a cascading effect when you get triggered. It's not, the reason I say that is I think a lot of people think that you can just stop it or control it. But when you get to that point, it's, it's like a chemical reaction. I had a therapist who called it a chemical dump. And that chemical dump is telling you that if you don't change or stop or whatever is happening to you right now, you're going to die. Even if your mind is telling you, Oh, you know, you logically, you know, you're safe or whatever. It doesn't matter what your logical mind says because you've got this chemical dump that's telling you you're going to die if you don't change something. And I think that's an important thing to understand. Be gentle with that part of you. And the way to get through that is to learn how to reprogram those uh, those triggers and how you deal with them and stuff. And which brings me to the second part is to not, don't try to do it alone. Mm. You know, get 
some help, find someone to talk to. And, you know, the whole part of why I never sought help for anything that was going on with me, the depression, the anxiety, and all of these, what were PTSD reactions, these I'm going to die if I don't get out of this situation reactions that I was having uh, that didn't make any sense to me was, yeah, I didn't want to tell anyone. And I never told anyone, I didn't tell my family, I never told anybody what happened to me mm-hmm. is, but I didn't want to tell anyone because I was scared of what, you know, people would think I was scared that they would think I was crazy. And when I did finally try to reach out a couple times, I reached out to people who ended up not being equipped to help me. Mm-hmm. And that can be, you know, sometimes it's a friend, you got a friend who can listen to you, that's great, but they can't, they may not be equipped to help you. That doesn't mean that you that, that if they don't want to invalidate you. Um, same thing with a counselor. A counselor should be trained and is trained, but that doesn't mean that PTSD is in their wheelhouse. And what I guess I'm trying to say is, is to, when you seek help, which I know is the hardest thing, if the help doesn't feel right or isn't resonating with you, that's not your fault that is only that it's not the right person for you mm-hmm. and to please 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 try again and i know that's hard i know how hard it is to you take all of that energy and ask for help and then get slapped back and a lot of people never try again and mm-hmm. that is is devastating because you know we lose a lot of people to suicide uh, with depression with ptsd with anxiety and it's it's um, not something that is like a snap decision, right? It's it's something that builds and builds and builds and builds. And I guess my biggest wish is that we can save more people by normalizing conversations and helping people understand you got to keep trying, you know, if it's not the right person and if they can't resonate with you and they don't have the right way to work with you that's it's not that they're bad and it's not that you're bad it just means they're not the right fit Mm. so keep trying and there's so many different ways now we've got zoom suicide hotline there's there's texting now you can text the suicide hotline you can do an online chat with them you don't have to call and you don't have to go and sit in an office anymore so it's um there's just try keep trying and know that it's gonna you know, PTSD is kind of the gift that keeps on giving, uh, which is another thing I stole from a counselor that she said. And just when you think you've got it all under control, something will come back and get you again. And that's part of the process. And anyway, you're not broken. That that is that that was so great. And and thank you for being a voice for for people that are going through that sort of situation and writing a book to make awareness and talk about it. So there's more awareness. And I love that. Yeah. Being gentle with yourself and and searching for help and finding the right connection. Um, Yeah. That's a, that's a big component of it, but, but don't give up. So thank you for being an advocate for, for people suffering from PTSD. That's really important and we need more people doing what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I always like to ask this one too, because 
I, I'm an, I love to learn. I, I love to continuously learn and I like to uh, take other people's recommendations. Have you read or listened to anything lately uh, that has really inspired you or has impacted you? Yes. I, I just, I love to read stories about real people and their experiences. And, you know, I read a ton of memoir, which is, would be another bit of advice as a writer and read your genre, mm-hmm. what you're writing you need to read it. I read a lot of memoir because of that. I prefer, you know, I have read a few celebrity memoirs, but that's not my thing necessarily. I just love normal, real people, real experiences. As a writer and as a human, it's really important to look at other people's stories and people that are different than you is really important to, uh, you know, look at other cultures and look at other life experiences. I've also uh, recently read a book uh, called Alone by um, Admiral Richard Byrd, Mm -hmm. who was an Antarctic explorer, and it was written in 1938 about his 1934 expedition to the um, Antarctic, where he survived the most ridiculous conditions (laughs) and just you know, by himself, he was completely alone. And that was, you know, the name of the book, but a really fantastic book. Another book, I don't know if inspiring is the word as much as it was just beautiful, beautifully done, uh, was The Journey of Crazy Horse, um, A History of the Lakota People. Mm. And that, uh, Marshall was the last name um, of the author. I listened to the audio book, beautifully done. Mm. And again, for me, there's just so much value in reading other people's stories and seeing the different pieces of lives, other people's lives that have created this whole world that we all live in, right? It's Mm -hmm. all, we're all connected. We're all, you know, my experience isn't like your experience or like other people's experiences necessarily, but we all are part of the same world. And I believe that that connection, it flows, you know, from all of us and to all of us that even if we're not doing the same things, you know, we're still sharing similar experiences. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for the recommendations. And yes, the memoir is amazing. I love that you said, read your, read your genre, but mm-hmm. there's also a lot to learn through other people's experiences. I mean, that's story is the way we've grown as beings, like from the beginning of time. So sharing other people's stories and the actual experiences that they've had, can just give you such perspective that there is just no one way of doing things. So that's great advice. What does creativity mean to you? Creativity is, I think of it as a release, Mm. a way of getting these pieces that are inside you out in a way that you can express it to help others. It's a gift you know, that some people have more of than some other people, but I think it's, it's a communication. It's a way that people learn to express themselves and I'm going to leave it there. (laughs) That's perfect. I love that. And it, and it is, it's an expression and a release. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then what are you curious about? I heard you mention there's another book coming. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and what's, what you're up to? What's next? I'm working on a second book. It's a sequel to Follow Me Friend, and it's a continuation of the story moving forward with continuing to deal with the PTSD. I had a I had a hope <laughs> that once I 
dealt with it and had the memories come back that it was something I could kind of put in a neat little box and stick it on a shelf. And, you know, it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. And so that's it. But it's also a lot of it, I'd almost describe it like a horse human love story, you know, just that my horse as my teacher and helping me to look inside myself and learn how to love what is there Mm. and to embrace that part of me and all of me and to accept who I am and where I am and and what makes me tick and that was a real gift from her it's a little different than follow me friend not as much intensity as the you know as far as the trauma and that sort of stuff because a lot of that had was in the past but there's just a lot more about that that connection and mm. the beautiful relationship and I'm pretty excited about it so <laughs> yeah it's exciting yeah. it's seen once you've done the first one you know you can do it and the second one is is more exciting it's still it's still mountain climb but you know when you hold that book in your hand you'll be like oh so happy that's yeah. wonderful and yeah. I love how you described it a horse human love story that's yes. lovely. Yeah. Thank we you. need to so I love celebrating the relationship between horses and humans when when you have that deep bond with with your heart horse. It's so awesome. Yeah. Can't wait for that one to come. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for being so open and sharing so much of your story and yourself with us and talking about these topics. I I I I think you're brave. I think it's important. I'm glad that you're bringing your voice to the conversation. Can you tell listeners where they can find more information about you and your book? Sure, sure. (laughs) Uh, My website for the book is followmefriendbook.com. And that's basically, that's my author website and gives you all the, the book stuff. And I've also got the social media, mostly I'm on Facebook, like I said. So if you search my name, uh, Cheryl L. Erickson, that's my, it'll bring you to my author profile, um, friend, you can be my friend. And then there's the blog, uh, the peace horse journey dot wordpress.com is my blog that I explore that horse human relationship and horse guided self-discovery. That's exciting. And I will make sure to link to all those places in your show notes so people can get to you easily. And Cheryl, thank you so much for the gift of your time. It's been such a joy speaking with you. I appreciate being here today. Thank you so much, Carly. This is a really, a very nice talk and was a great opportunity and I'm really grateful. So yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes. And make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.